the greatest thing to me that I love is uh, hearing the way that you honor the artists that you have on. Stories make the world go round. They capture our minds, pull at our hearts, and inspire change, growth, and development. It's just your genuine human appreciation on a deep, like, soul level for what artists do. This Your podcast is really dope. I'm your host, Cello, and welcome to Bedroom Beethoven's, the podcast where we discover some of the preeminent music producers and entertainers of our time, and I turn them into storytellers. What's up? This is J-Rock, and I'm right here. I'm chilling on the Bedroom Beethoven's podcast. That's what it is. Let's go. Let's go. Welcome, people of Earth, to episode 179 of the podcast. Don't judge a book by its cover if you don't even read. There's no shame in saying that you're not up to speed. No, you're just scared. My guest this week is... My name is Amir Muhammad. I go by Odyssey. I'm a hip-hop producer, MC from... The DMV area, DC, Maryland, and Virginia. And uh, my most notable collaborations have been with myself. I'm a self-made producer, MC. I think I've spent more time working on my own records than any collaborations. To the point, if I didn't know the answer, I would make it up like the meaning of a canvas. I never see the winner lane with a guess, and I go up on a rant if you say I ain't correct. But that got real old real fast. I think I had a fear about being on the outside. Or the end while I lure everybody out. I just want to be the first yelling out it's about time. I don't have a clue what I'm doing most times when I wake up in the morning. Being fake in the mix, nah, I just rather be real, not knowing. Don't judge a book by its cover if you don't even read. There's no shame in saying that you're not out of the street. No, you're just scared. And you're just scared. Yup, 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 yup. Odyssey long ago cemented himself as a thought leader among his music peers with an observational rhyming style coupled with production that transcended the traditional hip-hop audio norms, which had about everything under the sun leading up to his new album. But before we get to that, I want to thank you for listening. And if it's your first time here, consider subscribing to your favorite podcast platform and leaving a five-star review. BedroomBeethovens.com is the website where you can check out stuff past episodes buy merch and see clips on youtube last but not least patreon.com slash bedroom beethovens it's a nice little spot where i can continue to keep this podcast ad free but in return build a community how it works is you can give a few bucks a month to me like a digital tip jar and in return you get some some perks you know give a little get a little it's a nice little exchange of services and admiration but above all else if you dig the show tell a friend those are the kind of gestures that move mountains. Without further ado, episode 179 with the man, the myth, the legend, PG County's own Odyssey. You know, you've produced, you've wrote, recorded, mixed, designed, released, rehearsed, and toured. And now it's time, as you put it, to sell and smile. So it's my responsibility right now to – we're, we're not going to make that last part tedious. I'm going I'm to do my best. <laughs> All good, man. 
and and this is a true story. My first vinyl was Rock Creek Park, and uh, when when Kev Brown came on the came on a few years ago, I had to ask him about it. So I told Kev Brown when he was on, and I told him to a guy like me in Texas, it was like Narnia, <laughs> you know. So he he told me in PG County that you know th- the great thing about PG County is you can go to the hood, and there's always going to be something green there. But Rock Creek Park is everything you dreamed it was. It was. It's so close to home that most people take it for granted. It's walking distance and goes into D.C., but because it's so big and readily available that people don't really appreciate it. He says it's kind of like a Silver Spring mentality. I spent my earlier years in Montgomery County in Silver Spring. When I finished uh, from school, I was able to ride my bike into the park. And uh, after that, you know, my, my family moved to Prince George's County. That's where I met Kev. Uh, it was very, very far away from Rock Creek Park. It's not accessible when you live in PG County. It was later on in my life that after I finished high school, I moved back into D.C. and I lived in Petworth, which is an area um, in northwest D.C. near Rock Creek Park that I started going back to the park more. And I kind of had this realization. That's where I made the album as well, that you know, I spent my earlier year there riding my bike, playing in the woods. We'd go on field trips to the zoo. The zoo is also in Rock Creek Park. And then as an adult, you know, I went on dates there, barbecues, cookouts, you know, bike riding, et cetera. So I spent a lot of time in that park at different stages in my life and realized how important it was to me. And and kind of the irony is, you know, you spent growing up, you spent summers in Sudan originally because the DMV, uh, PG County and all that, it was, it was rough back in the day. But nowadays, D.C. is probably a safer place than Sudan. So it's kind of flipped in modern times. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. But yes, it's safer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's, de- it's definitely it's definitely safer. Um, I think all across America, we're experiencing um, a wave of crime uh, due to, you know, lack of jobs and opportunities and inflation that is reminiscent of the 90s, uh, especially in D.C. and New York, where we're seeing a resurgence of a lot of those things. Uh, but for a brief time, there was a a, a glimpse of prosperity and, and a lot of uh, crime was definitely on the decline. I'd say the the, the reverse for, for Sudan. Um, it seems to just be getting worse. But so, but when you were sent there as a kid, is that something that you looked forward to? Like, if we go back to simpler times, what was it like when you visited the capital city? I mean, it was going back to Sudan was definitely something I looked forward to. And the the thing about it was, even when I went as a child, it was dangerous in Sudan. But the danger came from a military regime and and secret police. Right. So um, if you weren't uh, in the business on, I guess, resisting the government, acting out in protests, et cetera, you were relatively left alone, whereas crime was a bit more indiscriminate in the states. So it was the influence of if I stayed home during the summer, being around a peer group that would influence me and change the course of my life versus going back to a place that was just poorer. but socially was safer. So Sudan was always far more uh, poor and life, I guess, had less of a value because it, it was it was so uh, fragile. But there was no peer group that would encourage me to lean into anything that would bring me harm throughout the rest of my life. And that's what my father was trying to keep me away from. I mean, even today, there's no online shopping, no Amazon, no Spotify, no Uber. So it forces you to be more connected, less distractions. My, my, my summers were very humbling. You know, uh, and, and it came. I came back to the states at the end of August, beginning of September, with a different perspective on what I value. 
and, and that was something that has been a long lasting gift in my life. A roof over my head is a roof over my head. It doesn't matter the size of the house that I'm in. And, and that's the thing that I've never really lost sight of is if I'm, if I'm shielded from the elements, then I'm happy. You know, and that's, that's a metaphor that I use even in the practices of my music, where if I'm able to make a living from my music, I'm happy without uh, worrying about being more famous, I guess. But I read that you're, you're half Sudanese, and when your father remarried and moved back to Sudan, it became a full Sudanese household. Like, your, your stepmother is from Sudan as well. And I know you grew up, and you had, like, conflicting religious debates between your two parents' beliefs. But was there a push and pull on growing up and your dad wanting you to be more in tune with your Sudanese side growing up? Like, was the African-American side neglected or was there an emphasis on both sides of the culture? No conflict in that. I saw my, my mother's Black American. She's from D.C. And I saw my mother on weekends. I was with my dad Monday through Friday for school because he lived in a better area for school. And I was in Sudan on the, in the summers. Uh, and I was very much enriched by both sides of my ethnicities. Sure, there were debates. And I, I find myself at the crossroads constantly giving explanations to either side about um, stereotypes and general beliefs that were just uh, misunderstood, you know. Um, and I kind of appreciated that position of being able to explain those things. Uh, my father remarried, but we, we lived in America the entire time. He didn't move back to the Sudan until I was in my 20s. Also, uh, I grew up in a predominantly black area, uh, pr pretty much like 90 percent black. And the other 10% was probably Hispanic. Um, or I'll, I'll say this. There was conflict. There was no neglect. Uh, there wasn't one side of my family that was trying to encourage me to be um, like uh, one or the other. In fact, my mother's side of the family always saw me as Sudanese. And my Sudanese side of the family always saw me as Black American. And I found uh, solace in being both. I was, I was always very comfortable in my own identity, even though others around me uh, were. The moniker Odyssey, though, they understand the gravity of what you do. Like when you make money and you send it back to Sudan to your family, do they understand the reach that you possess with the people that you inspire around the world? Like do they understand Odyssey, the artist? Um, to, to an extent. I think I don't make music that either side of my family would listen to if uh, I wasn't related to them. And that's for my mother's side or my father's side. You know, uh, I don't make top 40 music. I don't make street music. I don't make mainstream music. I don't make pop music. So I don't think either side of my family would have listened to me independently if, if they weren't related to me. You remember when I would message you and you reply, but I feel like I wasn't getting through. Was said to prove I was the better dude. You had a situation and I was patient on which to make a move. As was I single, afraid to lose you. I played the fool, though she was made for me. I was made for you. That's the basic truth. You told me yeah, from but me I told you later. Discovered it on your own, now you think I'm some sort of player. But I was just delaying the news, and I would use your strength to break what was already broke. Confused, but girl, you made it clear to me. Acting out of a fear to see you never hot, did me bruise. Had to confess and I proved. I made it loose as I cut a tap. Drowning my senior lives. Pray I'm hung out the trap. Rest assured, just the door met you out front of your store. I think um, either side of my family didn't understand what I did for a living until the invention of Facebook. And they saw fans interacting with me and they were able to see pictures of me going on tour, etc. Uh, it was after that time that they said, OK, I don't know his music, but other people do. And he seems to be doing well.
uh, it was later after that that I started to step in and assume a position on helping as not only me, but everyone in my family contributes to anyone who's in need. So, so your father, he, you know, he's an entrepreneur. So when you first sat him down and, and told him the plan, I, I guess he couldn't really understand the vision at first, but he, he gave you his support. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. He didn't understand it. But, um, you know, I, I made a deal with him and I spoke a language of business. And, and that's something I'm forever thankful to my dad because he made me approach music from a very practical perspective and standpoint uh, that I wasn't able to run away romantically uh, with ideas that would later be, you know, hard to achieve. So I, I always measured my expectations. Uh, I always wanted to grow gradually. You know, I always wanted to invest a little in myself uh, and get a return on it. You know, things that I learned from from watching him uh, conduct business in the States. So I've always approached music from that perspective. So um, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. It might be one of the the, the biggest uh, assets I have uh, as far as maintaining a career in music was being very re- realistic about it and, and logical and, and less... Uh, idealistic i guess and if your if your kids grow up and at 21 they sit you down and have the same conversation with you it'll probably go about the same way right as long as they have a plan and they're smart about it oh yeah whatever it is that they want to do uh as long as they have a plan and and they're smart about it and they can present it to me with with goals and objectives uh absolutely whatever it is they want to do i'll support it yeah i recently got turned on to a i think he's like 18 it's and he's from pg county his name is Redvale. Yeah, you caught wind of him. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's he's Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's from Lago. I'm from from the same area. Yeah. I bring him up because, you know, in a few weeks you're going to be celebrating your 38th birthday. So when I when I tell the people right now that you are on DJ Jazzy Jeff's debut studio album, I want that to set in because that was 20 years ago. And and in fact, Jazzy Jeff was the age you are now when he put that out. So imagine having a 17 or an 18 year old impress you so much that he lands on to what end. You know, it's almost a Herculean effort. No, sorry. Sorry, did you say Redville was on my album? Did I misunderstand that? No, I'm saying he, he's oh, he's at the age now oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that you were when you were on yeah. Jazzy Jeff's debut album. Yeah. It's, it's like to be at that age and impress somebody twice your age to be on an album. I think that's pretty crazy. Yeah, man. Um, I'm. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I never uh, never get used to that. I'm I'm forever for, thankful for that opportunity. You know, because it was it was Jeff that. Uh, validated my efforts to in the eyes of my dad, you know. So I'm I'm forever thankful for that. Yeah, we we've come a long way, man. And and uh, you know, I read during the pandemic that you moved your studio to the basement of your house. You know, is there anything in your? I just uh, want to clarify. I just took a temporary setup to to my house because we were all uh, at home and I didn't want to leave the family. But I still have my studio uh, a few blocks away from my house, and I've very much since moved everything back in. I just took my small Genelic speakers some headphones and an interface so that I wouldn't have to leave the house for a bit. But uh, I, I still have my studio. I'm, I'm in my studio right now. Um, oh, that's funny. I, I thought your studio was in, in your house. It, it is no, 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 no. I haven't, I haven't worked in the same place I lived since 2017. Oh, okay. But um, during, the pandem- during, the pa- during the pandemic, I, um, I took some, some small equipment to my house because everyone was home and no one was able to go anywhere. And I just wanted to show solidarity with the family. Instead of being like, all right, I'm out. You guys take care. So I stayed home with the with the with the wife and kid. Uh, my my first my my second wasn't born yet during that time. Uh, but no, I, I have a studio. I have a studio. Uh, I've I've had a studio uh, independently from where I live since 2017. So if yeah. but if I'm what if if I'm reading 
is correct. You said that your wife kind of helped you creatively with this album. My, my wife helped me by, by giving me space uh, to create and really taking the, the responsibility of, of the kids when they were uh, home. So I was still able to have the time to work. And that time is so valuable. Having a clear head going into the studio um, makes a world of a difference for me. You know, when I'm bogged down by other things, it's kind of hard for me to be creative. So she really supported me and allowed me to have like a clear space uh, to create. Um, but this particular record, to what end, it, it was produced in my studio. Uh, I didn't produce it at home in the basement. Uh, I don't know. If that, oh, yeah. So it was it was more indirect inspiration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Direction. Maybe <laughs> yeah, she gave yeah. me space to create. Exactly. Exactly. I got you, man. I got yeah, you. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, I, I read that, you know, you, you said that you were, you know, you were going some through some things and you were tripping and you, they kind of helped you get some clarity on the situation. And they, I guess, giving you the space allowed you to kind of find yourself and then find your sound. Exactly. Exactly. She and I had a lot of conversations when I would come home about, you know, I'm like, I just don't have it. And uh, I'm, I'm not in a, a space to be creative. And we, you know, we came and I just had a lot on my mind. I was bogged down and she, she really stepped up and allowed me to free my, 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 uh, my bandwidth up to, to focus on music. So can I ask how that, how that internal process goes with you to where the final step is you coming to the realization that, wait, I, I am one of the best producers MCs in the game. What am I doing? Yeah. You know, um, I think during the pandemic, it was kind of a, a snowball effect, kind of like a, a domino effect of my first was born in 2017. I wanted to take a break after she was born. So uh, I wasn't as aggressively in the studio as I would normally be because I just wanted to be present for my family and my firstborn. Um, then I went on tour for a very long time after my album, The Iceberg. And then I came home to a pandemic. For the first time in over 10 years, I had a really, really long time without immediately working on a project and releasing it and then having that in-person experience with, with fans and an audience to realize what they appreciated, uh, what they didn't, what worked, what didn't, taking that information back and putting it into the next project. So I basically just fell out of a rhythm. And as the longer I stayed out of that rhythm, the harder it was to get back into it. And then it left a lot of room to, uh, for self-doubt to come in, um, for over-analysis to, to, to trickle in. And it was almost debilitating. But I love that. I, I love because when, you know, I, I had on, um, you know, like Diamond D and I say, oh, you're one of the best to ever do it. And he goes, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Like they stay humble. So, I, you know, I finally get a guy on my podcast that was like, you know what? I, I am one of the best at what I do. And I can't tell you how much I love that because whenever people say statements like that, we we shun them because we're hardwired when we hear statements like that as arrogance and not confidence. You know, it, in a genre that reduces itself to beats and rhymes you don't let that limit yourself. You, you, you're now as a hip hop artist. You know? No, 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 no. I mean, I've, I've, I'm an independent artist who is still relatively unknown, but I've managed to make a living off of my creativity and off of my art and my work. That makes me great. If no one else believes it, it really doesn't matter. I've, I've achieved my, my own goals and expectations and my own ideas of greatness. And I think that's what I mean uh, when I say, that I'm one of the greatest because my expectations are, are based on what I like and uh, what I strive to be, you know, and I, I wanted to be a great MC producer. I wanted to um, like my music just as much as I liked uh, Jay Diller or Q-Tip and I do. So 
I've, 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 I've reached my own goal, you know, for, for a while now. And this go and this work ethic goes as far back as the Red Bull Academy days. Like it was like a musical MTV real world where you take 20, 30 participants and maybe 28 or 29 of those are going to arrive at the time you're supposed to arrive. And then there's one guy who's going to sleep there so he can use the studio a few hours early. That's the outlier. That's the guy who's serious. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody takes different avenues um, and, and roads to achieve whatever it is that they're looking for. You know, um, Flying Lotus was in that same class with me. You know, he wasn't sleeping in the studio, but um, as, as a metric of success, he's far more successful than me. So it wasn't necessarily because I slept in the studio that I'm at where I'm at, but it was what I needed to do to get here. Well, in an alternate universe, you you have a track on Little Brothers, the Get Back album that had, you know, work from Little Wayne and, and you know, mainstream people. But in this timeline, your song didn't make the, the deadline in time. What, what happens in instances like that? Oh, I'm trying to remember the track that you're talking about. Um, I mean, I've had so many... Uh, records that I've been asked to be on. I was asked to be on, um, what's the record Kanye came out with? Uh, graduation. I was asked to be on um, Graduation to produce. I was asked to submit tracks to the Compton soundtrack. Um, I was asked to submit tracks to Good Kid, Mad City. Um, most of the times, it was just an unfortunate circumstance of whenever I was asked to produce something for a bigger artist, I was always on tour and I had no time to do it. That was pretty much it. Nothing else. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I would love to do this, but I'm not going to be home for another six weeks. Uh, and, and that's it. It was really, really unfortunate. But your, your happiness equation of music plus wealth minus celebrity equals you. Do you think subconsciously maybe you missed those deadlines because you knew those projects would boost your celebritism and shattered that equation? Fuck no. I was literally gone and I couldn't produce the shit. <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Fuck no. Like, nah, that's, 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 that's some sick shit. No. Um, no. Uh, I, 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 I have a therapist, but it's not for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> so the beat that was supposed to go on graduation, did you ever use it like on a personal project or sold it? Do you know what happens to those kind of things? No, it, was, it wasn't a beat that was supposed to go on graduation. It was, um, what was his name? Who used to um, play Pat? Play Pat was an A and R for Kanye. Pat Pat was a big fan of my music, and Pat would hit me up uh, for production for the record, and I just wasn't available. Literally, that, that's that's it. I was supposed to submit submit tracks for it, and I just didn't. I, I mean, and then Dr. Dre, and then Kendrick. Like, I guess these people, these A and R's, just have their ears to the streets, and and they you just get on their radar. Maybe um, like the the strategy of giving you know, bigger artist beats for free and then the word of mouth trickles down and then you sell a beat to a lesser known artist based off the recognition and placement of a bigger artist. Maybe that pays off. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure that that does. I just, I've never had the time uh, afforded to focus on shopping production to other artists. That's never really been my business model. Um, my business model was to write, record a record in its entirety release it, tour it, and license it, and reap the benefits of uh, full ownership. Um, and I found that more lucrative. Uh, and, and when looking at implicit and explicit costs, more valuable for me. Um, if I had the, the, the extra time to make a surplus of the people to shop, I would. Um, but that's also the, the other thing is when I work on a record, I don't produce a, a plethora of music. I, I work per record. So I never have any music left over. 
Um, so that's one. Uh, a lot of people assume producers have a lot of beats. I, I don't. I usually have maybe one or two left over from a record when it's finished, but those one or two didn't make the record for a reason. So I wouldn't probably submit them to anyone else. So that's that's usually just what it is, is I never really have extra production laying around. The, the, the second issue is, is uh, my, my personality type. To shop music, um, you have to be uh, a bit more social. You know, uh, you need to make, meet people. You need to go out. You need to network. I'm terrible at doing those things. Um, I'm, I'm very much turned off by a lot of like industry events, um, sitting on the metaphorical black leather couch in the studio. Um, I, I like to work alone. So um, I don't really even have the personality type to be social, to, to uh, really shop beats. And I, I was very honest with myself from that from early on in my career. So like, so if you were in a studio with like Kanye, Pharrell, and all their entourages, that would probably just give you extreme anxiety. You probably wouldn't even be able to work as, as, as well as you could if you were alone. Uh, um, it's not anxiety. It would, it would give me just a headache. Um, I, 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 I don't suffer from anxiety, but I don't know any of these people, so I, I wouldn't um, assume that it would be this way. But from the times that I have been in, in, in environments like that, the yes men – you know, uh, too many cooks in the kitchen, um, the the focus on the music becoming a product and that being one of the main uh, motivations to create. It just doesn't really gel with me. Um, ba- basically, I just don't care about what people care about. So it's hard for me to be in a room with people who give a shit about things that I don't. And why is Outer Note label like a better platform and fit for you at this stage in your career? A lot of people are going to, you know, you're synonymous with Mellow Music Group. Um, ownership. I'll make more money. I'll be able to release records when I want to, um, not when I have to. And uh, I'll I'll own more, which will allow me to have to sell less to make the same amount of income. So there there was maybe some demand from Mellow Music Group, like, hey, you know, we would really like it if you release release an album every two years. And even if that doesn't fit. No, no, there was there was there there was no pressure from Mellow Music Group um, whatsoever. Uh, You know, uh, very, very amazing record label. Um, that puts the artist first, very, very understanding about the creative process and how sometimes it doesn't work on a clock like anything else. There was no issues there. Um, it was just a logical uh, step. You know, you, if you are an employee um, and you gain years of experience by being employed by someone and then you get to the point where you can open up your own business, why would you stay an employee? No, no one would do that. If they did, you know, I, I wouldn't understand that for me, logically, as, as, as a businessman, it doesn't just just doesn't make sense. So for me, it was just the next uh, logical thing to do was to take the years of experience that I had at the inner workings of a label, how distribution and marketing works, um, how much you have to put into the budget uh, of a record. And when I had come to the point where that amount that you would have to put into a record I could put in myself, uh, the distribution that it would take to release a record I could get myself. Why would I give up ownership to something that I can do, uh, especially as my family was growing, you know, and and I want to make sure that my children are looked after. I want to work smarter and not harder. Logically, It it makes total sense for my POV. I I think I bring it up because uh, Apollo Brown told me that he's probably never leaving. Like he, he likes the position he's in and um, what, what, mellow music group did for him at a time in his life uh you know i, I guess he's loyalty to that brand but you in the entrepreneurial spirit i get what you're saying 100 percent. 
Yeah, yeah. There's there's no one way to do anything, and people have to be very honest with themselves. Um, just because you you uh, have the opportunity to do something, it doesn't mean that you necessarily can, or it doesn't even mean that um, you have the ability to do those things. There are some people who need to be pure artists and not be concerned with the business side of music, right? And that's amazing when you have that ability to be objective about yourself and know, I don't want to be a record label and have to take meetings about pressing and distribution and manufacturing and marketing meetings. And I don't want to have to do all of those things. I want to be in a space where I just create music and I'm willing to give a percentage of that revenue to someone who's going to do a good job on making sure that record is successful. That's a great, that's a great thing. A lot of people should do that. So many people kind of go into positions of quote unquote, becoming their own boss because they think that they're supposed to. And then they end up not being a good boss, but being a better musician. You know, you can see parallels with that in sports. You may be a great player, but you might not be a, a good coach or a good uh, team owner. Those don't, those don't automatically mean the same thing. You know, um, for me, I was fortunate enough to come from a background and have a career where every step of the way I was a part of. So when it came time to doing all of these things independently, it didn't seem like a task that was uh, over my head or too much for me to handle. And uh, yeah, because I, I know you've created projects on your own pace because you're, you're independent. And I know you've created EPs, but this is this To What End album is the first like out, like long play record since like 2017. Should people expect your output to slow down a bit and have more time in between releases? No, 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 no. If, if anything, uh, it'll increase. You know, um, I, I want to get the most out of my current situation as possible. So again, logically, uh, my output would increase, not, not decrease, you know. Now I have a higher ownership in the records. It means that I have to sell less records to make the same amount that I would in previous years, right? So... Um, if I make just as many records as I did in previous years, even if they're selling half the amount, I'll still make more than I ever have. So the incentive to make more music is still there. And then also your future releases, they may or may not have the doubt, overthinking, procrastination, obsessiveness that came with this album because you're coming, you're you're at a more rapid pace, and there's not a you know a global pandemic to kind of break things up. So yeah, that's the thing I'm excited about the most is. Um, that I'm like freely creating again. Um, I'm happily creating again without any any worry um, that it's not as good as I think it is. I'm out of my own head. I'm out of my own way now. Uh, the pandemic was good for many things. One of those things was I, for the first time in my life, in my career, I have a plethora of production uh, because I was constantly making tracks, seeing what stuck. Uh, so I can I can release probably three, four more records based off of what I've already produced without having to make another beat. So. Uh, I, I think I'll be releasing a lot more music in the years. That's amazing. And uh, But focusing on To What End, I just want to give you the floor, Odyssey, to tell people anything they should know about the album. 
Uh, sure. Uh, th this album is about focusing on the reasons for why we do what we do and how far we're willing to go for those reasons. Uh, and each individual track comes from a different angle of asking the why, answering it, and how far we're willing to go for it. And the reasons uh, why we love who we love or why we love what we do or um, having uh, anger or resentment or, or, or trust or a lack of trust, et cetera. Each record on this album talks about those points. Uh, and on this record, I give more of my own opinion versus just asking questions like I did on previous records. I love it, man. I'm excited. Uh, I'm actually going to pre-order the vinyl because I have all your, your stuff on, on vinyl. I even have some of the – when Mellow Music Group went back and did the, the audio file – stuff and released your early stuff i have all that too man so i'm just going to add it to my collection and uh you know this oh bless man i appreciate it i'm a huge fan man this conversation was a personal bucket list thing for me in my life so you know i want to let you know how much i appreciate your time and, and in a few days i want to wish you a successful album rollout i know you got a birthday coming up and for the rest of the year man i just want to wish you peace love and prosperity thank you man likewise thank you